Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Alex Burroughs has both goals for the Senators tonight. They lead the Avalanche 2-0 late in the second period. First period in Dallas, Islanders up 1-0 on the Stars. Late in the second period in Montreal, Predators up 1-0 on the Canadians. The Sabres with a 3-2 edge on Arizona. Third period just started there. After two, the Blue Jackets and the Wild still scoreless. Panthers with a 1-0 edge on the Flyers. That's about seven minutes into the third period. Also in the third, scoreless between the Devils and the Capitals. And the Rangers lead the Bruins 1-0. Games coming up later tonight. The Maple Leafs play the Kings. The Canucks play the Sharks. Both those uh, don't start until 8.30. Ched time. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. It's Inside Sports on 6.30 Ched. You can text 6.30, The phone number 780-496-0063. The Oilers practice today after uh, the players, anyway, had yesterday off. Obviously, the management team was working. Their next game coming up on Saturday. That's against the Detroit Red Wings. Start of that eight-game homestand for your Edmonton Oilers. All right. The Pacific Division uh, is pretty tight right now. I mean, you got uh, San Jose with a chance to maybe pull away a little bit. They have 81 points, two games in hand on the Oilers. The Oilers uh, sitting in second place with 76, Anaheim with 74, and the Calgary Flames in the first wild card spot, but threatening to push into the top three in the division and get that automatic berth. They have won five straight, and they play the Detroit Red Wings tomorrow. The Red Wings clearly not going to the playoffs. They are last in the Western Conference. To talk a little bit, or in the Eastern Conference for Detroit, pardon me, to touch on the Pacific Division and give us some wisdom on life itself, pleased to welcome Pat Steinberg from Sportsnet 960, the fan in Calgary. Pat, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm well, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great. I, I, I understand. My intel tells me you, uh, you just completed a vigorous workout, but still made time for inside sports. Well, I would always make time for inside sports, especially after... I uh, well, caught at the Saddle Dome. I don't have a nice building like Rogers Place. So in the bowels of the Saddle Dome, there's no service. We just trade deadline day yesterday doing social work. Told us a lot. I told my good friend Reed I'd come out of him at 7.35. And then I get out of the bowels of the Saddle Dome 45 minutes later. And then, oh, I got, oh, 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 oh I'm sorry, Reed. So that's my bad. So I, I owe it to this and much, much more. Well, it's okay. It's it's good to have you on the show. Hey, before we get into the hockey stuff, uh, we were talking a little bit about uh, Jimmy Kimmel and Matt Damon earlier on in the show, and and I mentioned that uh, David Letterman, my favorite late night talk show host of all time. Uh, do you have a late night show that you are or have had a special affinity for? 
Oh, I am Letterman through and through. I uh, I remember like David Letterman's my guy. I, I quite enjoy Jimmy Fallon's show now. Uh, and and in terms of what we have right now, I think Fallon's the best. I quite enjoy the Tonight Show. I think he is a massive upgrade on the trash that Jay Leno put out in the final few years. And uh, I, I never got behind Conan. But I, I thought I thought Jay Leno and NBC completely jogged Conan O'Brien. I mean, I can't sit here and tell you that I thought his Tonight Show incarnation was good because it was probably worse than Leno's. So, uh, I'm, I'm all about Letterman. Uh, I've seen that. I've seen that horrid movie about the two guys. Probably, well, do you know, remember the HBO movie, the Late Night Wars, whatever it was called? It was uh, night, uh, Late Shift. Yeah, Late I read the book for that too. Yeah, the, the book is great. The movie's terrible. Yes, but I've seen it like 15 times. So it still fascinates me. So, <laughs> no, I'm a, I'm a Letterman, I'm a Letterman guy through and through. Yeah, I was never a big Leno fan. I, I just, I, I, he's funny, but I find his humor very safe. And I always enjoyed the Letterman was a little more off the wall. I'm with you. I and, and comedians, comedians are kind of the. Uh, you hear comedians talk about what Jay Leno was before he got the Tonight Show and what he was after he got the Tonight Show. It was completely night and day. So uh, I'm, I, I never really got behind Jay Leno's style of humor, but. It was. That's why I appreciate what Jimmy Fallon does because he's the only guy in the last 30, 40 years, or I don't know, maybe that's, that's probably disrespectful to Johnny Carson. So, okay, the last twenty years, he's the only guy to push the limits on that show. Johnny Carson made that show what it was, and Jay Leno came in, and it should have been Letterman's, but okay, it wasn't. Jay Leno comes in, and you're right, he was safe. I feel like Jimmy Fallon's come in, and he's actually he's been original. He's pushed the limits. I've, I've quite enjoyed what Fallon's done. All right, Pat Steinberg from Calgary joining us inside Sports on six thirty. Chet, it's uh, it's a fun time of year. I mean, the uh, both the Oilers and the Flames at the moment, and I know a lot can change, but uh, are in are in good playoff position. We'll see if they can keep it rolling. Before we touch on the division as a whole, uh, give me a little bit on the keys to the Flames' five game winning streak. Well, and it, it's gone a little bit beyond the five-game winning streak, too, Raider. They've won five in a row. They are, they are unbeaten in regulation in six, so 5-0-1-1, and 10-2-1 in their last 13. Pretty much the last game before they went on their All-Star break is when this kind of started to turn around for them. But just before the All-Star break, they were in this absolutely horrid stretch. They got beat twice by the Oilers, if you remember, including that, that absolute snot-kicking in the saddle dome to finish off the season series. Then they, they had these games against Nashville, Montreal, and Toronto where they got the tar beat out of them. And, and you know, they, they weren't close at all except for maybe the first 14, 15 minutes of the first period. Uh, so then they went into Ottawa to finish off their pre-All-Star break schedule. Uh, they had a 2 nothing lead. They hadn't scored. They, they'd been scored on first in nine straight games. They finally scored the first two goals, but then gave up a 2 nothing lead and were able to win the game in overtime. And that kind of started this whole stretch. So 10-2-1 since just before the All-Star break, and a few things have happened. Number one, they finally are starting to see Brian Elliott resemble the goaltender that they went out and acquired in the offseason. When they went out and acquired uh, Brian Elliott in the draft last year, there was genuine excitement around the goaltending position in Calgary for the first time since Mika Kiprasov wore number 34. This is no disrespect to Kari Ramo or Jonas Hiller or Yoni Ortio or Joey McDonald or any of the other guys they've trotted out since Kiprasov has retired, but nobody's been a true, bona fide, no questions asked goaltender. Whereas Brian Elliott, the last little while, has resembled one, but why people were so excited in the summertime is because he had been one 
over the last five seasons. Best save percentage in the National Hockey League. He was a key part of St. Louis getting to uh, the Western Conference Final before losing up to San Jose last year. So there is this genuine excitement, but he came in game one, he gives up seven to the Oilers or whatever it was, and, and it just started in such a miserable, miserable way, and it took him forever until like three days ago to get his save percentage up over 900 this year. So the last six starts for Brian Elliott, he's around 930. He's 5-0-1 in his last six starts, so he's been really good. That's been huge. Johnny Gaudreau has faced some of the most criticism he's ever faced, probably the most criticism he's ever faced, not just in his NHL career, but probably his hockey career period. You know, he hadn't been scoring, he'd been inconsistent, he'd been pretty bad defensively, and, and he was, after signing his big contract, he was being held to very high expectations and was being criticized for not meeting them. And he's responded in a big way. He has been dynamite the last little bit. Uh, Sean Monaghan's been much better the last little bit, so some of their best offensive players have started to play better. And the third key has been what they've done on their blue line. You know, God love Dennis Weidman, and he tried, and, you know, two years ago when they made the playoffs, he had a career year and all of that. But Dennis Weidman is, is not a regular NHL defenseman anymore, and he was playing 20 minutes a game way over his head, and he was hurting the team more than he was helping them. You know, Derek Engelin, is, he, is, he has performed admirably this year, but he's playing over his head in the top four role. So they went out. They signed Matt Bartkowski, who was playing in the AHL with the Providence Bruins. They signed him to a two-year deal to, A, give them some depth, and B, to cover them in terms of exposure rules in the expansion draft. He's helped solidify their third pairing a little bit. And they went out and acquired Michael Stone from the Arizona Coyotes. And, you know, he has been a much better fit. I'm not, I, I don't look at Stone as a true number four in this league. But he's the best option they've had all year as their number four. And pairing him with T.J. Brody has made their second pairing so much better than it had been before. So they've taken some steps forward on the back end. Their best offensive players have been their best offensive players. And they finally, from Brian Elliott, because they got a stretch from Chad Johnson earlier in the year where he was really, really good. But finally from Brian Elliott, the guy that they acquired to be their number one, he's resembling that guy. Those have been the biggest keys why the Flames have been able to put together their best stretch of the year. Flames Radio Network host Pat Steinberg joining us on Inside Sports. Curtis Lazar was acquired by the Calgary Flames just before the trade deadline yesterday. He was a great oil king here, helped them win the Memorial Cup, one of the uh, best players on the team during that era. He uh, hasn't been able to crack the NHL consistently while he was in Ottawa. Unfortunately, he battled motto earlier this year, which uh, didn't help his cause. What, how do you think the Flames are, are, are going to use him here, and what are they hoping for? Well, it's funny because, you know, unlike some of the other deals that were made at the deadline, actually kind of similar to the deal that the, the Oilers made. I mean, the Oilers and their deal with the ARNA and, and Davidson wasn't, I mean, I, it was more of a hockey trade than it was a, a pure rental, whereas Florida's acquisition of Thomas Bannock or some of the other, you know, Pittsburgh's acquisition of Mark Streit, those are straight up rental deals, right? Whereas this was, it, it just happened to be made at the deadline. But it wasn't a traditional deadline deal. And basically, it was it was one trade, but it was basically two trades. So you can throw out the Yerky Yokopaka from Mike Koska uh, transaction because Yokopaka was he was part of the Chris Russell deal last year from Dallas, but he really has not been a regular NHLer. They waived him, and he was AHL bound regardless. Mike Koska has been in the AHL all year long, so those two cancel each other out. Basically, it was Lazar for a second round pick, 
And and so this is something that is more of a hockey trade because I don't think Lazar really helps the Flames in the immediacy and their push to catch the Ducks or the Oilers in, in their push to solidify a playoff spot. I don't think Lazar really helps them. Uh, I don't I don't even know you know the the, the season that Lazar has had. He's got one point thirty three games. I don't know if you take a look at Calgary's roster and say Lazar is an immediate upgrade on anybody in their forward ranks. But at 22 years old and somebody who needed a change of scenery, and like suddenly the Ottawa Senators were completely blind when they drafted him number 17 overall in 2013. So I think the Flames are looking at this more of a long-term play. One of our uh, contributors and, and the Hall of Famer from the Globe and Mail, Eric Dehacek, uh, he, he made a really good comparison on our deadline coverage yesterday. He said... Um, it's kind of very similar in a lot of ways to Vancouver's move when a couple of years ago at the deadline they acquired Sven Berchi. You know, Berchi needed a change of scenery. It was not working out in Calgary, a former 2011 first-round pick. The coaching staff and he were not seeing eye-to-eye under Bob Hartley, so he requested a trade. They sent him to Vancouver. They got a decent return, and now he's been able to have a little bit better of an NHL career with the Canucks, and I think that's kind of what the Flames are hoping here, that Lazar still young at the age of 22 a change of scenery can get him closer to being the guy that the senators saw when they drafted him in the first round look i don't think that curtis lazar i don't think anybody thought coming out of the oil kings that lazar was going to be a big time point producer in the nhl i think he was more paying as a really solid two-way center and or winger i I think he's going to start as a right winger whenever he gets to the lineup uh with the flames but a good two-way piece who can give you some solid two-way minutes a little further on down the lineup. And I think that's what the Flames are looking for, is for him to, you know, give them a little bit of production offensively, but be able to play a good, reliable, and, and I think affordable role on their uh, in, in their depth forward. So that, it's more of a long-term play than it is an immediate play. I think the immediate play for Calgary was, you know, last Monday when they went out and got Michael Stone. That was, the, that was their rental. It just didn't happen on deadline day. I'm 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 not over the moon on the Lazar acquisition. I'm curious because he's 22 and he's a former first round pick. I'm hopeful because, as you would know, the guy is as easy a guy to like as as, as it is possible. I thought it was really fascinating when we were interviewing him on our show yesterday. Um, my my partner on on our afternoon show, Rob Kurt, he asked him, "Are you always this good of an interview?" He said, "Well, you know what? The, the Oil Kings, every single one of us." Uh, we had to do media training, and they made sure that we all did public speaking courses. And I thought that was just a, a really cool thing. And he said, you guys are going to get sick of me in Calgary talking about the Oil Kings. He must have mentioned him six or seven times in his first interview with us. So he still uh, he still certainly has got a lot of reverence for the team he won a Memorial Cup with in your fair city. And uh, it, it's, uh, it's certainly going to be interesting to see the way that he fits in. Yeah, he was always a great interview and always had that smile on his face and then he'd go out there and and just dominate guys. I used to call him the smiling assassin for the way he played. Pat, yeah. it it's pretty fun the the uh the uh possibility of an Edmonton Calgary playoff series is uh, more realistic than it has been in a long long time and I know that has fans excited in Edmonton I hope as as well in Calgary. Thanks a lot for making time for us, buddy. We'll do this again soon. Hey, Reed, I was in your fair city last weekend for Garth Brooks. It was my first time in that lovely arena. We we truly do have arena envy in Calgary. So hopefully soon our teams are going to be able to meet in the postseason, and maybe soon we can both have new arenas. That is my hope. You're a good man. I love you.
That is Pat Steinberg checking in from Sportsnet 960, the fan in Calgary. He is the uh, pregame and postgame show host for the Flames on that station. They're hot. They're doing well. The Oilers got through a difficult month of February 500. I have high hopes for March with uh, 11 of their 13 games on home ice, 13 of their final 18 regular season games overall. You'll hear from Oilers center Mark Letestu when we get back. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chad. text here to 63630 who says I hope Calgary does get a new arena so the Oilers can beat them at the first home game in the new barn <laughs> and Pat and I were talking about uh, late night television this texter says come on guys Johnny Carson was and always will be the best he invented late night and his comedy acts on the show were uh, amazing but wasn't there another uh, tonight show was it Jack Parr the first show of the Tonight Show. This is obviously that's the, the way, way beyond my time. My so. dad, my mum or dad will text me. I hope they're elderly. <laughs> uh, I was talking to Oilers center Mark Letestu today about the addition of David DeHarnay down the middle. Well, if, if any indication by by the way uh, practice went today, I'll probably move me back home there on the fourth and give him an opportunity to, to work on the third. But been here now almost two years with Todd. Uh, lineups are pretty fluid. You know, he, he may move guys to the wing, shift guys in and out, uh, but it just adds to our overall depth. Uh, you know, he's been been a pretty good point producer for some some time over there. So coming here, maybe we'll give him some new life, and he can catch on and uh, get back to those old ways. You would have played him, you know, three or four times a year when you would have been in in the East. So it's a quick scouting report on David. From what I remember, you know, a smallish guy, but he competes. You know, he goes to dirty areas, uh, comes up with pucks, uses his speed. Uh, you know, in the years where he was putting up the big points, he has the ability to make plays, you know, especially to get patch ready, you know, in open ice. He's a hell of a passer, so he's going to add. Uh, you know, he's a good pickup for us. Uh, we just hope to get him feeling good here coming, uh, you know, over to a new team, get him welcome as soon as possible, because that's usually the biggest transition. Uh, new team, new systems, you try and just find your way. So the quicker we can get him a part of the group, uh, the better he's going to feel about things. Would have you ever thought 11 years ago you and Justin Fontaine would be part of the same organization in the NHL? Probably not. Peter must have had such a good impression of Bonneville when he went and spoke at the World Junior A Challenge that he, he had to have both active Pontiacs. So, uh, no, it's it's pretty funny, uh, you know, how small the, the hockey world is. Uh, but, yeah, you know, like you said, 11 years later, we're, we're on the same in the same organization. Uh, hopefully he gets to the point where he works himself to the point where he's here uh, and we get to play together. All right, and apparently, yes, it was uh, Jack Parr, Jay Bueller texting in, first host of The Tonight Show. That was my chat with Mark Letestu after Oilers practice today. David DeHarnay was on the ice. Get more on the Oilers page on 630shed.com. A couple of very special guests standing by in studio getting ready for a new FC Edmonton season. One of them, the new captain of the team. The other one, just new to the team. They're up next. Hey, this is Jordan Eberle from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. All right, Eberle and the Oilers back at practice today. Here's what's going on in the NHL tonight. Islanders and Stars 1-1 in the second period. Senators up 2-0 on the Avalanche. That's in the third after two. Still a 1-0 lead for the Preds over the Habs. 
Buffalo with a 4-3 lead on the Coyotes. Four minutes left there. Six and a half minutes to go in Columbus. Finally have a goal in that game. Brandon Sod is 19th. Blue Jackets up 1-0 on the Wild. Overtime looming in Philadelphia. Flyers and Panthers tied 1-1. The Rangers lead the Bruins 2-1 with two and a half minutes left. And with one minute left, the Capitals one Devils nothing. New Jersey has managed only 13 shots on goal so far. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on 630. Chad, pleased to be joined in studio by two members of FC Edmonton. They are getting back to work, getting ready for their new season. First of all, Captain Nick Ledgerwood. Nick, good to talk to you again. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. And a uh, new member of the team, uh, your defender. Yeah. Here, move into the mic a little bit so people can hear you. Nathan Sansara, what's going on, buddy? All good. All good. Enjoying training and uh, ready to go. Well, well uh, is, how long have you been an Edmontonian now? Uh, three weeks. Three, three weeks. weeks? How are you liking it? Ah, it's good. I'm used to the weather, obviously playing in Norway, so I'm um, used to the cold weather, but I'm um, obviously looking forward to the start of the season. How many years did you play in Norway? Three. Three years. So yeah. Similar weather to what we're getting today? Yeah, obviously it's a bit colder here, but yep. um, no, pretty similar in terms of the snow and stuff. So. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, that's good. Well, we didn't have a very uh, very nasty winter, so, okay. so we'll see if we keep you around for, <laughs> for a couple more. Uh, let, me, let me ask you this. Uh, I mean, uh, you, you, to me, you have an You think I have an accent, but I think you have an accent. Yeah. But uh, uh, where, where did you grow up? I grew up in Birmingham in England. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, so the middle of the UK. No, so growing up there, I mean, here hockey's the dominant sport, as I'm yeah. sure you know. In, in England, it's soccer. So was this like when you were two days old, you already had a soccer ball at your feet, or how was it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, my my family obviously they had uh, they were in the pub business in England, so you can imagine obviously there's a lot of football going on, people watching, drinking beer, you know, watching the games and stuff. So yeah, I think that was a culture in my family, and uh, obviously then I was just kind of a bit up and around it and. Uh, progress from there really so how did your pro career start i mean i mean here in in canada we have uh, you know junior hockey so the good players will go yeah. you know to a major junior league when they're 16 they'll get drafted when they're 18 and uh, how does it work for a, a player coming up in england no i started off at birmingham city I, I came through like the the youth teams there um and then i went on to a team called warsaw in league one then i progressed there signed a professional contract there at 16 and then uh yeah. So you had a full-on pro contract at 16. Yeah, that's how it works. I think in England, you, after 16 to 17, you, you're assigned as a professional, and uh, then you just go with, the, as I say, with the big boys, you know. So when you started, sorry, what's it called, the junior program with Birmingham? No, it's like the academy program. The academy yeah. program. So how old were you when you started that? I was 14. Okay, now, did they have to select you, like, in a draft, or is it just like, no, they're just like, like, hey, come play for us? Anyone in the academy who they deem good enough, they would just select as a professional when they think the time is right, obviously, at 16, 17, they, that kind of age. So could you join the academy at younger than 14, if yeah, they saw, I like, 10-year-old whiz now kid? it's, like, eight, seven, year, seven years old, so you so, can imagine how big it is. So a team in England could be developing a player since he's basically in, yeah, yeah. in like, grade two yeah I think uh, I think all around I mean uh, Ledge will probably tell you he's played in Germany as well so he'll obviously know how it is there but uh, you know they start so young now and that's why you know it's a multi-million pound game because there's so many talents out there and so much so many players out there so there's so much to choose from and that's, that's why there's so many great players interesting experience uh, Nick uh, join, Nick Ledgerwood from FC Edmonton joining us as well um you're from Lethbridge, right? You and I have talked before. Born and raised, yeah. So what was your journey to become a pro soccer player? It must have been different for a, a lot, Canadian a than it was for me. Growing up in Lethbridge, yeah. Um, here in Canada, you're you're selected for, 
you know, the provincial teams would be the first kind of step up. And after the provincial teams, it's trying to get into, you know, the, the youth Canadian teams. The under-15 level is when I started out with the, the Canadian team. And I was fortunate enough to go over to Germany when I was 17 to go on some trials over there. And that's how I then became to the academy youth systems in Germany, where you then slowly work your way up the ranks, hoping to get, you know, a prof- professional contract. That's what everybody's working for. And I think that's why Nate was saying that there's so many kids and they start off so early over there is because they, you know, like I said, there's so much money involved in it and there's so much talent over there that these kids start, you know, when they're eight, nine years old over there in the academies. So what kind of a, was, well, I, mean, I guess there must have been a pretty good system in Lethbridge for you to, for you to develop, but I mean, how would you, how do you compare the Canadian development in general? I, I don't know if, I don't know if a good system in Lethbridge is the, the right words. I okay. Mean, since I've left, <laughs> since I've left Lethbridge, I was the only person to make it as a professional soccer player out of Lethbridge. So there's not many people following, following the footsteps, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think it's definitely, Soccer in Canada is definitely trying to change its ways and get more academies out there uh like fc edmonton has like the whitecaps uh toronto fc that kids have a dream and and somewhere to look up towards where they didn't have that as before you know the only step was to go to europe right so i think that's changed now and kids can realize that you know in their own backyard they can achieve you know being a professional soccer player nick how long how long you been on the canadian national team now uh I made my debut when I was 21, so I'm 32 now, 11 years. So 11, how many, what are they called, caps? Caps, uh, 49 caps so far. Yeah. So why have we not made the World Cup? Like every year, it's like uh, this is the year, this is the cycle, this is I the believe, cycle. I believe it comes down to grassroots soccer. We don't have enough uh, certified coaches, good coaches to teach our young players the game at an early age. And then once they do get to that age 17, 18, there's not many different steps or opportunities for them to have because there is only four professional teams across Canada right whereas anywhere in Europe or the US you have huge amounts of professional teams that are trying to pick out these kids and Canada they just kind of fall off the radar so who do we have we got uh, Vancouver's in MLS Edmonton's in NASL. NASL is Ottawa still around Ottawa just dropped down to the USL which is almost third tier okay and then there's Toronto and Montreal, Toronto and Montreal. so Ottawa's yeah. even not really you wouldn't really yeah count it Ottawa's anymore. considered Montreal's farm team now oh wow okay yeah because you guys played them in the Canadian Championship yeah, first we'll, round we'll the last few years, right? We'll play them oh, again they, this you year, still yeah. do that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Nick Ledgerwood, captain of FC Edmonton in studio. Nathan Sansara also joining us. He's a defender, new, new to the team. You, you mentioned you're from England. You played in Norway. You were playing, what, professionally in Europe for, what, about 11 years? Yeah. So how, how after all that, do you land for, in FC Edmonton at this point? Um, I think it was more kind of, um, you know, the, the coach, the gaffer spoke to spoke to my agent and kind of... I think the gaffer knew a bit about me, obviously, from playing in England and Scotland and stuff. So then it was kind of like a, yeah, like a, he liked, obviously, what he what he saw and what he heard. And uh, he asked me if I would like to, to come and uh, enjoy this experience, basically. It's all about the experience, you know. And, uh, you know, football, I've been playing now for 11 years and it was a new opportunity to me. And, uh, you know, so far, so good. I'm enjoying it. And... Uh, no long may that continue. What what do uh, what do what do English people think about Canada when it comes to sports and our climate? Well, obviously, we know it's cold. Uh, <laughs> well, I know I have family in Calgary, so 
I know that they always tell me it's pretty cold in the winter, so I, obviously I, I knew that. The, the gaffer actually knew that, that I had family in Calgary before I, before I came. Oh, okay. So, um, yeah, my mum and dad visit here quite often, but I don't usually visit because obviously the football seasons are clashing with my work schedule and stuff. So, yeah, um, I knew that it was like a, a cold country, but uh, no, other than that, I didn't really know much, to be honest. I played with a, a, a teammate of mine who's a Canadian, uh, a Canadian international, and... Uh, He's telling me bits and bobs about the country, but that was it, really. Bits and bobs. i got to start using that phrase. <laughs> That's great. Uh, Nick, you're the captain of FC Edmonton. Now, last year around this time, I had a young man named Albert Watson in studio, and, and he was the captain of FC Edmonton. Uh, you know, He's still on the team. So what's happened with the transition with the C? Uh, I just think it was the the coach's decision it came about at the end of last year's season uh we sat down and had some good talks and he wanted the captaincy to be moved over to myself um you know it's something i would never turn down being a captain i think it's an honor to be a captain of any club especially a team in the province you you grow up in um taking nothing away from albert he's a great leader and he's still going to be a great leader for the team um, so he'll still have his role in the team, and I think the you know the coach just wanted to maybe see it go a different direction this year. So do you guys name assistant or alternate captains like they yeah, do in Albert's, hockey? Yeah, Albert's the assistant captain. Okay, so, and yeah. were you the assistant last year? Yeah, so, we so just, he just flipped roles. him. Yeah. Have you yeah. talked to Albert about this? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, there was not much to talk about. He uh, he congratulated me when it was announced, and we just kind of went on our ways. We're both hardworking. Uh, athletes and we just get on with our business. So, so he's uh, he's Irish, he is, right? Yeah. And, and Fordyce is still on the team. Daryl nope. Fordyce, uh, he's, he's moved Fordyce on. Has left the team. He's now in Cincinnati. So he okay. left at, at the end of last season because he was in uh, last year as well. Yeah. Uh, so 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 you have uh, 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 Nathan. You're English. Nick. You're Canadian. Uh, Watson's Irish. How many different nationalities do you have on the team? There's got to be some Americans well, on the team. Uh, I would assume. We have Other... a, obviously we have a guy from uh, Senegal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pop, um, I think we have a uh, few Americans on the yeah, team. One from Norway, actually. One from Norway. So there's yeah. no, um, there's no, okay, like Nick, you would know the Canadian Football League. The roster has to be about half Canadian. Yeah, there's so no, in, there's no in the rules. NASL, you're only allowed seven foreigners. Okay. So seven spots can be filled by foreigners. Is that outside of Canada or outside of North America? Outside of North America. So they lump Canada and the U.S. together yeah. since there's teams in both countries. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. That's just, well, and there's a team in Puerto Rico, but I guess that's part, technically part of the States. Okay. Yeah. Not technically, <laughs> it is part of the States. Uh, all right. Can you guys stick around? Because I know you got a tour coming up and you're excited about the, the start of the regular season as well. Of course. We're in studio with Nick Ledgerwood and Nathan Sansara from FC Edmonton. It's Inside Sports on Chet. This is Ryan Asia Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in. More on Nugent Hopkins and the Oilers on our webpage. David DeHarnay did practice today, centering Anton Slepeshev and Zach Cassian. Uh, no Chris Russell at practice today. We'll see if he's back tomorrow. Probably just a maintenance day for him. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 630 Chad. Joined in studio by two members of FC Edmonton, Captain Nick Ledgerwood, and you're a midfielder, right? I am, yeah. And uh, defender Nathan Sansara. Thanks again for coming in, guys. I want to talk a little bit about your upcoming schedule here, but Nick, I want to get back to the point we were talking about earlier about the uh, the Canadian national team. You've uh, You've been playing for 11 years the uh, the World Cup qualification we're still waiting to get in again and I know you know the casual fan sometimes looks at it and says 
you know, how can Canada not beat El Salvador? How can we not consistently beat or qualify ahead of Honduras or or Panama or some of these other teams? I guess Jamaica even. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have we have a lot of we we're. Canada is not a big country population-wise compared to the United States, but we are compared to some of these countries, and sometimes we're even ranked higher yeah. than these countries. And sometimes the games don't don't turn out. And during the break, you were talking about a draw you guys had in El Salvador that a lot of fans, including me, would say, "How do they not win?" But what happens when you play some of these nations in their stadiums? Yeah, I think I think what a lot of fans are people in Canada don't understand that when you go down to these countries it's it's a different beast they uh, they tend to have games played at 2 o'clock in the afternoon where it's 35 above out and you know 60% humidity and um, you know and it's a religion down there football's a religion down there they fill their stadiums with passionate fans and they make it hard for away teams to go down there and get a result um, I remember some away games when we were in Panama where they would keep us up all night by shooting fireworks at our hotel like they know where you're staying oh and they yeah just, uh, yeah and the, and the police know where we're staying too but they don't do anything about it so it's just a different mentality down there that's it's almost like that's all they have is that next step to qualify for the World Cup. Whereas here in Canada, we ha- we are very fortunate in the way we live here. And, you know, we have other sports, other things going on in our lives. Whereas down there, it seems that if there's a qualifying game for the World Cup, that whole country stops what they're doing and helps support them. So why can't we just say, okay, fine, our qualifying games are November 30th in Edmonton? I'd love that. Or even Fort McMurray. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I guess I know there's certain windows where they can I'd be. be but I'd be all for it. Yeah. Get us up to Fort McMurray, fly us up there and have a qualifying game. Because you know they, you know, a Jamaican or an El Salvadorian oh. team would not be comfortable with, no like, like, plus 10 would be cold to them. Yeah. yeah. So let alone minus 10 or an icy yeah, field. I, just, I think uh, it's our mentality that we're very friendly people and we are great hosts when it comes to things like that and we make them feel right at home when they come up here all right so when does the next uh so what this is 2017 is our world cup next year the uh, world cup is next year yeah so qualifying is this ones. the russian one yeah yeah so our next our next big tournament will be this summer we have the gold cup again down in oh, the good. u.s okay. so at least we'll have something to look forward to and are you on the summer. team for sure or do you still have to be picked? Uh, there's no for sure's yet but uh, we have a camp coming up at the end of march in scotland and that'll be a friendly game against Scotland, so that'll be a big one, yeah. Okay. Now, FC Edmonton is uh, going overseas as well. Tell us a little bit about this. Uh, it's being called the Manchester trip, but, uh, Nathan, what's uh, what's going on? Who are you going to be facing? What's the advantages to going to play some English opposition here? Mm-hmm. Well, I think, obviously, you know, playing English teams is always a good test, you know, physically, and uh, they can also play good players, a lot of good players, a lot of talent. So I think it sets us up nicely to, to go and play this opening league fixture against Jacksonville. Um, obviously, playing the it's called the Manchester tournament because it's obviously we're going to Manchester. That's where we're based, and that's where we're going to be staying. Then we're going to be playing the teams around there: Burnley, Wigan, Newcastle. So all the northern teams, really, northern mm-hmm. part of the country. So it's something we're looking forward to. I know it's um, as people, the, our media guys, and you know the people behind the scenes are all plugging this because they want us, you know, they want us to have the best preparation for you know, to f- and hopefully we can fill the seats on a on a match day and and get people in on uh you know when we when we play our first home game i think everyone behind the scenes is working hard for for us to to get as many people into the stadium as we can to to obviously support the guys and you know it's going to be good if the, the more people in the stadium for us the the better it is for the players you know because we love to play in that atmosphere so 
yeah, everyone's doing, everyone's pulling in the right direction. Uh, the media team, the people in the offices, the management, the players. So we're all pulling in the right direction, and we just want. We're looking forward. We can't wait for the season to start now. All right. So, so uh, how long? When are you leaving for England? And how long are you over there? Leaving on Wednesday. Um, we're over there for is it fourteen? Yeah, about two weeks. Yeah. And is it what four back. matches? Six matches? Four matches. Four matches. You play. Yeah. Uh, was it Burnley, Stoke, Wigan, and Newcastle? Yeah. Okay, and then you're back uh, April second at Jacksonville is the season opener. Uh, April eighth is the home opener. That's also against uh, Jacksonville. Nick, I'll, I'll ask you this since you've, you you've been a, a member of the Eddies for for longer. Obviously, I, I know uh, you guys have about tripled your season seats from last season, but that's that's great. Mm-hmm. You know, but I've had your owner in studio as well, Tom Fath, who has said, you know, we've worked hard. We got guys out in the community. Last year, you were a winning team, a, yep. a playoff team. You were you were one of the few teams to beat the New York Cosmos in the regular season, mm-hmm. who wound up winning the championship. I mean, you as a player, I, I know it's not your job to directly sell tickets, but you're still a representative of the team. I mean, just how do you feel about the the struggle sometimes with? Uh, and hey, look, you're talking to a guy who doesn't daily talk about your team too on on, on this show. So you know, I'm yeah. I may be part of the problem myself. But just how do you deal with trying to totally. promote think, the team a little I think, more? Uh, having a professional soccer team in Edmonton has been hard and I think in the past everybody knows it here in Edmonton there's been a number of teams that have failed uh, in Edmonton trying to trying to make a strong sporting team but I think FC Edmonton's different in that way and now we're going into our seventh season I believe uh, so we're definitely a stable team uh, like the owner said we've more than tripled our season tickets I think we were very unfortunate last year with some of the weather that we had uh, and not not selling out. So I think other than that, you know, I think this season is going to be very entertaining. We signed some great new players that are going to definitely bring that entertainment value up for, for anybody who comes out to watch. Uh, we signed some more internationals. Uh, we just signed a, a great attacking midfielder from Ireland. We got uh, an experienced left defender now with Nathan Adam Strait, that's another Canadian international, signed with us. So I think those names definitely help bring, you know, more people out to cheer on the team. And like Nathan said, the more fans that come out there, the more atmosphere it builds and the more it helps the guys on the field. Nathan, what's the rowdiest thing you've seen a fan or group of fans do in a match you've been playing in? I think obviously race them is not... Uh, <laughs> I'm from Millwall away. I, I, obviously, Millwall is quite renowned for... Uh, been quite hostile. Uh, Sorry, where was this? Millwall. Okay. Yeah, it's like a part of London, and it's quite known for like football hooliganism and stuff. And you know, you you get a lot of stick there. You get things thrown at you and that kind of stuff. So Jeez. pretty tough. Pretty tough. Yeah. Just a quick update on the uh, NHL scoreboard here before I wrap up with the guys from FC Edmonton. The uh, Capitals beat the Devils one nothing. Rangers edge the Bruins two one. Flyers beat the Panthers two one in a shootout. The Jackets shut out the Wild 1-0. Sabres over the Coyotes 6-3. Predators up 1-0 on the Habs in the third. Also in the third, Senators 2, Avalanche 1. In the second period, Stars 3, Islanders 1. Leafs and Kings, Sharks and Canucks still to come. All right, uh, so you guys are you got, are you training every day? You got more practice tomorrow? Yeah, uh, every day, all day pretty much. <laughs> uh, we just had our double session today. So usually Tuesday, Thursdays we do a double session. And all the other days, we're we're at Commonwealth, training there for now. Nick, you're from Lethbridge, Flames or Oilers? Oilers. There's the right answer.
<laughs> Naden, are you going to go to a hockey game? Yeah, I want to. Um, just waiting for the prices to go down a bit. <laughs> well, you, you might be in for a bit of a wait there, buddy. <laughs> No, I, I, obviously the boys have told me that it's a it's a great uh, great stadium to go and see. Obviously, I've been past it, drove yeah. past it a few times. It looks great. It's brand new. I'm going to try and get in there. Hopefully, Ledge will be a good captain to take me there. FCEdmontonnow.com or just Google FC Edmonton if you want to learn more about these guys. Nathan Sansara, Nick Ledgerwood from the team. Hope we can do this again, guys. Thanks of for course. coming in. Thank you very much. Thanks to Dave Campbell, the producer of the show, the studio producer this evening, Kellen Kennedy. All of Inside Sports again from 6 to 8 tomorrow. Bob Stoffer with Oilers now from noon to 2. And get the latest on the Oilers on 630Ched.com. Have a great night, everybody. Charles Adler tonight is next. 630Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630Ched.